there, welcome to the Food Guilt to Food Freedom podcast. I'm Emma, a dietitian specializing in disordered eating and eating disorders. If you've been dieting your whole life and feel swamped with guilt and shame by the world of diet culture and influences, you're in the right place. On this podcast, our mission is to crush confusion and give you tips and strategies to build a better relationship with food and your body. To get started, you can snag my free lunch builder to help you plan an action, a week of lunches that curb binges and fuel workouts. Head to emmaquokdietitian.com slash freebie to download it now or find the link in the show notes. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode and on today's podcast, I'm actually going to be exploring the topic of what the difference is when I talk about disordered eating and eating disorders. Um, and hopefully you'll learn a bit more about the eating spectrum in specific on today's podcast. Hopefully you haven't heard of it before, but even if you have, it might be a good refresher. Um, but I think these two terms around disordered eating and eating disorders are commonly a little bit confusing to wrap your head around. So if you're wondering what the difference is between the two, I'm going to shed a bit more light on that in today's episode. So hopefully that's going to be helpful for you and just break through some of that confusion that might be going on for you. To start off with describing the two, I think it's important to note that an eating disorder itself is a really serious mental health condition that is diagnosable and requires multifaceted treatment in order to um, like support with recovery. Recovery is definitely possible, but I think uh, there is still a lot of like stigma and bias around the eating disorder term and even what we picture when we think of an eating disorder. So we will cover a little bit on eating disorders today, but um, more so in today's episode, I am covering what that probably period before an eating disorder can really manifest or what we would term maybe disordered eating. So not a full-blown eating disorder yet at that point, but there's a lot of preventative work we can be doing in order to firstly recognize disordered eating early, as early as possible, and also prevent it from starting in the first place. Now, if you're listening, you probably are very aware that I'm very passionate about spreading this awareness, awareness, particularly in the fitness and gym industries, because it is so normalized, uh, sometimes anyway, most of the time, to be honest. Um, yeah, such a normalized uh, behavior that occurs in these settings. And so the more we can learn about it, the better we can be and work to prevent ongoing uh disordered eating in these spaces. So first up, we're going to talk about what is the eating spectrum. Now, I do have a lovely visual of this on either my Instagram or my website, which you can have a look at and I will link to in the show notes, but I'm going to attempt to uh, explain it to you via, via podcast. So good luck to me. But we want to think about our relationship with food as as an ability to kind of sit on a spectrum, okay? And on one end of the spectrum, we really have what we term optimized eating, and that is where we kind of want to be, right? Um, then in the middle is where it kind of tends to get a bit blurry and gray, and it's a bit more disordered eating. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we have where we would probably class things as an eating disorder where things have really escalated and have become quite dangerous and um, harmful, 
What I want to flag, first of all, is that an eating disorder is technically a form of disordered eating, but not all disordered eating is technically an eating disorder. So it actually took me a few times to record that sentence. So hopefully it makes sense. If you need to click back and replay that, um, feel free to do so. Let's first jump into what optimized eating is first and yeah, start with that end of the spectrum. So what I'm going to do is give some examples as well of what optimized eating looks like. Okay, so when we're in this zone, we're pretty much living our best lives. Okay, we're eating regularly, we're nourishing our bodies adequately, and we're fueling our training appropriately so we can really peak in performance. I also want to flag that in this optimized eating section, it is really, really individualized for each person. Okay, no one's optimized eating is going to look exactly the same because there are so many different factors that come into play to determine what is your optimal, right? Some things might be like your age, the level of activity you're doing, your job, your financial status, um, your cooking skills, where your where your mental health is at, where your body image is at. Um, all these, there's so many more that I could list, but just off the top of my head, those are some things that we want to be considering when we're thinking about what is someone's optimized eating, because it's not going, yours is not going to look the same for the person next to you because we are much, much more complex than, hey, these are some standards to follow, go follow them. We know that's really just not uh, person-centered at all. So in this zone, we want to be making sure it's individualized, first of all, but we really want to make sure that you are balancing your nutrition amongst perhaps social life and eating food for obviously nutrient boosting qualities, but also just for the sake of joy as well. Okay, so is there... Um, still enjoyment and um, social eating and health all involved at once under optimized eating to make sure that we are getting the most out of this um, zone that we want to be in. When we're in this zone, we're also eating freely. Okay, we're enjoying a wide variety of all foods and experiencing no guilt or shame with eating. Um, when we sit here on the spectrum, we probably eat within our value set and we feel good about it. So again, that's going to look different for everyone. Um, so it's important to unpack what that is for yourself. We don't agonize over our decisions around food. It becomes quite easy. We understand that exercise is a privilege, which must be fueled first. And most importantly, we do understand that our individual nutritional needs are different and shouldn't be compared to others, which is what is unfortunately so commonly done, um, particularly in the, the industry and the fitness scene. Next, we're going to dive into some flags and signs of disordered eating, okay? So when we are sort of in this zone on the spectrum, we might start seeing a few red flag eating behaviors, um, and this can include being more restrictive with our eating or inflexible um, with our arrangements. Different behaviors can become a bit more compulsive or feel out of control, um, and there's often more negative emotions attached to food like guilt and shame and anxiety. So we may start to turn to some of these unhealthy behaviors or substances as a means to control our weight, for example. So we're going to go through a couple of flags of what you might be experiencing when we're in this zone. 
I'm going to rattle off a couple of examples of disordered eating now and remembering this isn't going to be a really, really extensive list, but gives you a bit of an idea of flags to look for um, and especially if they cause you distress. So some examples include a history of chronic dieting or that cycle of yo-yoing across your lifetime. So reflecting, you know, how many diets have you been on? How many challenges have you gone on? And how has that impacted your mental health and your body over the years? Another example is skipping meals um, or snacks often. Perhaps it's fasting for long periods of time when we're starving, restricting your intake and ignoring your hunger cues. Hyper-focusing on calorie or macro counting is a really common one. It's seen as a really simple task and sort of, you know, we're just like a calculator, let's do it. But more often than not, we tie a lot of emotion or self-judgment to that number. So that's something we also want to be looking out for. Um, If we're occasionally binge eating or we feel like we're losing control occasionally, that might be a sign, okay, what's going on here that we want to start looking at. Excessive use of like things like diet pills and fat burners or a high reliance on these products. Avoiding entire food groups because or certain foods as a means of weight loss or because we're really concerned or fearful of these foods is another sign. Uh, If there is a steroid use or an over-reliance on supplementation instead of looking at sort of those core principles around nourishing our body. If we have ever made ourselves vomit because of the food we've eaten, that's definitely a red flag. Or similarly, if we have used things like laxatives, diuretics or enemas to facilitate weight loss, we definitely also want to be looking into that behavior because they can actually be really dangerous for our bodies. Other things you want to be looking for potentially that are less to do with eating specifically are things like compulsive or excessive exercise or feeling like really guilty if you take a rest day. Or feeling like you have to get your workouts in, training through pain, training through injuries, that type of thing is definitely something that we want to be looking into. Um, Another one is a general withdrawal from social events, um, which is commonly tied to a withdrawal from social meals specifically because these things can cause anxiety and stress. If you've noticed a couple of flags in the list that I have just rattled off here, then perhaps a little red flag might be waving at you. You also want to consider how long um, some of these flags have been coming up for you for and I guess the severity that they're happening at or the frequency that they're happening at as well. The more it is potentially happening, the more distressing things probably are for you and if you need any support please do reach out and have a chat to me Um, and what we know I guess no matter how often or how severe some of these little red flags might be waving at you um, do know that these behaviors can be really detrimental to your physical and mental health and all are worthy of support no matter where you sit on the spectrum so don't feel like oh I've only got a couple of flags Um, it's not too bad the best thing you can do for yourself is pick up on these things as early as possible nip them in the bud so we can swing you back into that optimized eating side of the eating spectrum Next up, we're going to move into the eating disorder side of the spectrum and what this potentially looks like. So 
If we've hit this zone, I guess our disordered eating behaviors that we've just mentioned before have likely really increased, intensified, and become extremely difficult to manage. Um, You might find it really challenging to get through normal daily tasks because your eating disorder thoughts are so loud. You may feel extremely attached to the behaviors and it feels quite um, either scary or challenging to let go or even do opposite action to some of the things that you've been doing. Um, and in an effort to feel more control, you might even be keeping the, the some of these red flag behaviors secret from others because you almost know that they're is a cause for concern there but the other side of you is really scared of letting them go and so we keep them as a bit of a shameful secret that we don't want anyone to know. I won't go through in detail in this podcast around the different types of eating disorder diagnoses but I will just say though that binge eating disorder is actually one of the most common eating disorders with 47% of people suffering with an eating disorder having this one compared to say 3% with anorexia nervosa, which I think is often the one that comes to people's mind um, initially. It also occurs almost as often in men as it does women, which is a common uh, stereotype that eating disorders only occur in women. And what we know is that dieting can be one of the number one risk factors for developing binge eating disorder. I'm going to stress this again because it cannot be stressed enough that an eating disorder is a serious mental health condition and it can be life-threatening if not addressed. It's not something that you are doing by choice if you are um, experiencing this. It's not a cry for attention. It's not a vanity marker. It is much, much more complex than that. And if you are listening into this episode more from an educational standpoint, then that is definitely something to consider um, because there is a lot of stigma and assumptions made around eating disorders, which is a big reason why support is often sought out later in the diagnosis and people live with it for a long time without help. If you take anything away from today's episode, then I hope it's really learning about what the eating spectrum is and knowing that we all have one and we all sit on it and this relationship that we have with food is very fluid and can change across our lifespans. I think the most important thing is having the awareness to know where you sit and when you are potentially moving into a disordered eating territory and when you might need some extra support. Sorry I lied. I also have one other point that I really want you to take away and that is that you cannot look at someone and know if they are experiencing disordered eating or an eating disorder. I really hope we can break down that stigma and barrier so that more people can have access to support and feel comfortable reaching out for support and like they deserve it. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you've enjoyed it, found it useful, or you're just feeling a little bit wild with your spare time, I would so appreciate it if you can take a spare minute to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. This is going to help me get the word out about this new potty. So thank you again, and I'll see you at the next one.